Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Won't you listen to reason? Well, you open your eyes. It's a wonder what you'll find with an open mind. everybody and welcome to episode 900 of the Atheist Experience. <laughs> Woo! That's a lot of episodes and that is a significant number because of the fact that we have 10 fingers. That's right. Uh, I'm your host Russell Glasser and with me today is Tracy Harris. Howdy. Uh, today is Sunday, December, oh shoot, it's okay. <laughs> January, it's January yeah. sometime, uh, the 10th, the 10th. 11th, 10th, yeah. uh, Sunday, January 10th, right. live 11th? TV. It is the 11th, okay, January 11th. Ah! <laughs> We're a live call-in public a- access atheist television show based in That's Austin, fun. Texas, dedicated to promoting positive atheism and the separation of church and state. We're available through live streaming video at ustream.tv. The official Atheist Experience website is www.atheist-experience.com. You can provide feedback by commenting on the official show blog at freethoughtblogs.com slash AXP. Um, <clears throat> whoops. <laughs> or you can email us at tv at atheistcommunity.org. And if you enjoy this show, please check out our related podcast, The Nonprofits, currently airing on the first and third Wednesdays of the month. Uh, you can find links at the Atheist Experience website. The next Nonprofits will be recorded on January 21st. As always, the cast and crew of the Atheist Experience will be going to dinner after the show at El Royo at 1624 West 5th Street. We'll arrive around 6 p.m. A couple of special announcements. Uh, Coming up, there's going to be an event from the Center for Inquiry in Austin. The Austin chapter is going to be having a Darwin Day celebration on February 8th from noon to 5. There's going to be speakers, games, videos, and birthday cakes. Uh, You can check out cfi-austin.org for more details. Um, Also, the Texas Secular Convention is coming up pretty soon. That's going to be held February 27th to March 1st. There's going to be a rally at the Capitol, followed by a convention at the Sheraton near the Capitol. Uh, The events will be emceed by David Smalley. And speakers include Greta Christina, Annie Laurie Gaylor, Barry Lynn, and Jamila Bay. For more information, you can check out TexasSecularConvention.org. So, how are you, Tracy? Good. Is there a new? Is that like an old announcement? Or yeah, that's okay. that's nothing. All right. 
I'm doing okay. Um, yeah. Considering, yeah. <laughs> considering. And uh, let's see. Okay. So we got the the J Sweet Charlie. Um, yeah. The solidarity with uh, the Charlie Hebdo. I guess publishing. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening to this, like a few months after we broadcast it. Uh, we are on the weekend right after a number of people in a, an office at a satirical news publication in France were shot by a bunch of Muslim terrorists who killed like 11 people, I think it yeah, is. It's like 11 or 12, yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, they, they drew some cartoons and they were killed by religious extremists and... Uh, we're we're very much uh, supportive of their free speech rights exactly. and upset about uh, religious extremists uh, wrecking people's lives. Yeah, nonviolent expression of opinion is, is never justifies violence. There's a violent response to a nonviolent expression of opinion is never justified. Right. There's never a <coughs> nonviolent expression of opinion does not justify violence, but that. That doesn't happen. It's just, it doesn't justify violence. There is no but. Um, Mm -hmm. Once you add on the but, you're pretty much just saying that it's okay to kill people for expressing opinions that you don't like or that someone else doesn't like, and that's not okay. Yeah, and I've heard a number of people this week, like, discussing and dissecting the content of the Charlie Hebdo cartoon, but that's really beside the point, because uh, whatever you actually thought about the content of the paper... Uh, you know, supporting free speech yeah. rights doesn't mean that uh, that you're necessarily in agreement with everything that the paper uh, uh, yeah. stated or stood for or drew. Uh, and uh, well, I, yeah, and it was uh, we were talking about how Donahue came out like the cat. He sometimes speaks. Yeah, Bill Donahue is the Catholic for league. Catholicism. I don't know on what law. He's not the right. Pope, but. No, he, he's I, just maybe one guy to tell in the who, <laughs> but, uh, his whole organization. Yeah, he <clears throat> he came out sort of saying that he, you know, hotly condemned the uh, the violent response, but that you can't tolerate these cartoons. And it's like, well, does he understand what that means? Because he just basically excused the violence. Like you you can say all you want that you're anti the violent response, but the moment you say that we don't tolerate these cartoons, you're saying that you will step up and put a stop to them, which is exactly what was done. I mean, they weren't really stopping the cartoons, but they were stopping the cartoonists. And um, when you say that you're not going to tolerate something or that you believe that something shouldn't be tolerated, you're either talking about throwing people in prison, fining them, making them you know, some, face some sort of punitive uh, response, like legally, um, or as was done, killing people. I mean, when you say that you will not tolerate it, it doesn't mean you don't like it. It means you're going to put a stop to it. Um, and so it, it does need to be tolerated. Speech that we don't agree with, that is opinion-based, we do need to uh, accept even if we don't like. And I, I found it ironic because I, I felt like I was offended by his commentary, and yet I wasn't you know, saying, hey, let's not accept his commentary, let's not tolerate it because it's so hateful and right. horrid. And, I mean, I'd also just like to say that on the reverse side, we've been uh, seeing news stories coming out of France that in retaliation for these killings, uh, some people have uh, attacked mosques. Uh, Wrong response. Basically going, uh, responding with a violent attack on yeah. individuals who, uh, while they shared the same religion as these people, 
had nothing to do themselves with with the killing, and so that is responding to the uh, attacks on innocent people by attacking more innocent people, and yeah. that's not okay. Uh, uh, I think that uh, Islam is a ridiculous religion. <laughs> I think there there is uh, very little true stuff to be found in the Quran, uh, and I also think that Muslims have their free speech rights as much as Charlie Hebdo do. And uh, there is no excuse for uh, this group of extremists who uh, went on an attack. Yeah. The proper response, if they were uh, offended by the content of the cartoons, would be more satire. You right, know, which, some people, which some people yeah. did, and that's the, that's the correct response. You respond to it in kind in the same arena that it was put forward in. Um, if someone's not violently threatening you directly, you have no call to be violent toward them. I mean, it's just, it's really sad that we would have to even explain that, um, that your outrage or your anger toward what someone else believes or thinks um, does not justify violent response to that person or group. Um, it, it's, it's disturbing. It's disturbing that this has to be done. So the what they did was the I Am Charlie, and it was in... Uh, it was in response to, to the killings. It was their way. Uh, immediately, France, you know, came up and expressed their solidarity. A lot of them were holding up pens, and I think one of the one of the best cartoons that I saw, or the one that impacted me the most, anyway. There were so many that were, I think, well done. But the one that I liked the best um, showed two of the terrorists, like dressed in their black outfits that they were wearing, in front of the Charlie Hebdo publishing door outside, and one of them says to the other. Um, be careful, they might have pens, right? <laughs> They're like fully armed with these automatic weapons going in there saying, look out, they might have pens. Um, and, and I think that kind of sums it up. And you, yeah, you just. I mean, it, it's intellectual cowardice responding with brute horrid. force when you can't. Uh, <clears throat> it's just really. When you can't really respond with words. Gl- it's globally unacceptable. You right. just you have to learn how to respond to things in ways that if you don't like the opinion, you express that. You you don't say it in a way that's violent. You can use whatever media you want that is nonviolent. There's like artistic medias. There is verbal media. There is, you know, v blogs. There's all kinds of ways to express yourself and respond to something like that if you don't agree with it. And you can even respond with like vehemence and anger in your voice and however you want to you know explain it. But to uh, to get violent with someone who's just not violently, you know, threatening you, <clears throat> I, there's there is no excuse. That that is the intolerable thing. Right. Okay, we ready for ready for callers. Sure thing. Serious stuff over for now. Uh, Steve in London. Steve. Hi there. Hey. Hello. Hi there, guys. Um, yeah, my name's Steve. Uh, been a Bible-believing Christian for 25 years now, and uh, I found you on YouTube recently, and I just wanted to start by saying a couple of thank yous to your organization, um, if that's okay. okay. Um, first of all, you know, thanks for your politeness that you show to so many people um, who call in, and then when they're cornered on certain matters, they resort to emotionalism <coughs> and condemnation, and I think it's great to see how calm you guys remain and that you set an example on the how we should debate. Thank you, Steve. Uh, No, that's good. And also, I think your show prompts, it it should prompt us as Christians 
to research for ourselves the, the veracity of the Bible, you know, <coughs> to be prepared for intelligent people who don't believe in God to ask us how we can continue in our faith in the face of certain passages. So I just wanted to say thank you guys and uh, uh, for allowing me to come on. And, uh, uh, yeah, um, i just got a couple of questions, if that's okay. Um, okay. I think just looking through the videos, it seems to me that uh, both camps, if I can call it sort of like a, the Bible camp <coughs> and the atheist camp, that we've both got our favourite hand grenades that we seem to lob at each other, albeit ever so politely. And I think uh, from the metaphorical got, hand grenades sure. after we just got done condemning violence of all kinds. Yes. <laughs> I know, but you know what I mean. I'm being metaphorical, right. guys. Sure. Um, uh, I think one of your favourite hand grenades you use in your show is science, and I've looked at loads of your shows, but I've yet to see an episode where, you know, independent of your concerns about the Bible and Christianity, I've yet to see a show where you guys admit that, that science, and particularly evolutionary science, in which you place so much faith, does have glaring loopholes in certain places. Um, and it would be good, you know, to have a show where you look at some of the fallacies and flaws that have been exposed uh, and, you know, to allow them to be aired. Um, so I've got an example, uh, uh, you know, personal... I want to actually. I, I want to pause for a minute and just yeah. point out that uh, that uh, evolution is not considered atheist science. I mean, it is basically considered science. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, when you talk about things like the theory of relativity or uh, or like quantum mechanics or uh, electrical engineering, none of those are considered atheist science. They're just basically uh, an analysis of how it appears that the world around us actually works. Uh, yeah. And certain Christians wind up objecting to that because it seems to interfere with their God. But there are a whole lot of evolutionary scientists who uh, who are uh, remain believers. Well, um, just, you know, just to give you an example that set me on the road um, uh, on questioning evolution theory was a uh, I, I read a book in which uh, a senior paleontologist in the UK Natural History Museum, his name's Colin Patterson, he admitted that he'd seen no evidence for gradual evolution in the fossil record. Now, you know, to me as so a thinker... So do you think... Yeah, what? You know, um, to me as a thinker, here's a guy who handles bones day in, day out. It's not... I'm not the expert here. This guy is. And, and, and he's saying this, no evidence in the fossil record for gradual change. In effect, no evidence for evolution. So... I thought to myself, wow, you know, this is either a falsely quoted paragraph, or if it's not, then the consequences surely, you know, have a bombshell effect on my understanding. So, so your judgment of an entire field of science is based on one offhand comment by one guy? Well, no, I mean, no, well, have, no, but, no, have but you on, guys, gone and looked at, the, uh, at what the general this, state of the but, science but, is? Guys, you see, this guy, this guy handles like, bones. Right, they so there's lots of paleontologists. Is this guy the only paleontologist in the world? No, but but <laughs> but this is this is what I wanted to get at. It's just like I'm not here to argue that evolution or creation. All I'm saying is that this is an aspect for me that I found that science. <clears throat> uh, so I phoned this guy up, and he admitted, you know, because because I'm all about. I, I don't just look at something. I want to I want to get to the bottom of it because if you know. So I phoned him up, and he admitted it. Um, uh, 
and he said, yeah, that, that, I, that quote can be attributed to me, but he said that if there hadn't been a Christian in the room uh, with a tape recorder, I wouldn't have said what I'd said. And so, you know, to me, that, that, I'm not saying that proves uh, creation. All I'm saying did is that... He, did he... That, I, I feel like you're a leaving of, a lot out of that conversation after that, because, uh, that is, because what you've just done is quoted one sentence at us out of context... And I imagine that when he said, I wouldn't have said that if there was a guy with a tape recorder in the room, he, he might have then gone on to clarify exactly what he meant by that, that changes well, the original all point. all I'm saying is, guys, you know... You're not I'm answering the question. <laughs> the other thing, that's just not the industry standard. I mean, right. you're talking about... Let's, let's say, let's just say that this is correct and he does believe exactly what you're describing, which yeah. I'm not sure that he does, but let's say that he does. You're, yeah. There are, for example, people that are medical personnel who who are anti-vaccine. Do you think that that means yeah. that vaccines are not useful, or that they're dangerous? Well, well, no, guys. Because all I'm trying to say is that I'm just trying to show that 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 like if 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 there's a guy who handles bones day in day out and then says these things, that that to me is a kind of bombshell. And so that's no. Why the I problem is really a know. guy, right? There there are actual standards that are adhered to in these sciences, right? Where they have these ideas of this is the prevailing theory, and just because even if you had one person who didn't agree, for example, Michael Behe, right? <laughs> There's a disclaimer at the university where he works, basically saying we don't subscribe to Behe's opinions on um, evolutionary yeah. microbiology because they're whack out like into left field. He's still a microbiologist and he makes these claims about evolution, but when you start looking at it, there are other people who are evolutionary scientists who have responded to these claims. And in fact, at the Dover trial, he got a hefty response to those claims. We had here in Austin the same question you're asking. Or the claim that you're making, there was this. We have curriculum standards that were being put forward by um, Christian fundamentalists for our science classes because our school board was predominantly Christian fundamentalists and led by a guy named McElroy. And he wanted to have, uh, or the the board wanted to put in uh, text into the curricula that said that we need to look at the strengths and weaknesses of evolution. And the response to that was that the textbook publishers came back and said, our writers don't know what to do because they don't know how, they don't know what a weakness of evolution is. They don't know how to present that because they don't know what that would be. And so you have, you have an industry where they can't even come up with how to meet a curriculum standard that says they have to describe a weakness of evolution because they're saying we don't know of any. Well, well, I think that that, you know, um, I'm sure you guys have heard of a scientist called Max Planck and, one of my favourite quotes that he had, and he's on record as quoting, which I could wear on a T-shirt, is that science progresses funeral by funeral. And uh, um, so, you know, like, what's what's the rage today? Tomorrow is out of fashion and, and superseded. And that's why that's why I believe that, like, coming so from... So are you basically saying... I mean, I, I find it kind of weird that you're quoting this scientist originally as if he were an authority. And by the way, I have here a page on talkorigins.org uh, where Patterson responds to this out-of-context quote and does explain what he meant. But, I, I mean, I also find it weird that you seem to be making a general argument that science in general is not reliable and, and ought to be no, dismissed. Well, well, no, guys, I mean, you know... Like, Isn't I mean, that you what know, you just I'm, said? I'm, to be fair, science has loopholes in it, and, 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 and so that's why I believe that, like, that, that, that we could be on two sides of the fence forever. Um, I can observe evolution. There are two sides to the fence, you know, and people just, 
go back and forth. And I, and I think finding out who God is yeah. is about <clears throat> a personal. It's really it's a person. You know, for me, all I can speak for me and say that it was a personal point in my life. Yeah, but, I, I mean, just, let, let's let's go back to the topic we started the show with. Uh, yeah. When you when you say that the idea of finding God is personal then you're yeah. basically saying it's open to interpretation by every individual. And in the case of yeah, these three guys, these yeah. three guys who just went and shot up an office in Paris, they really believed that what God wanted them to do the most was go and murder a bunch of heretics uh, yeah. because that's what their religion said. Yeah. Uh, that but, is one of the reasons why I don't why I don't find the personal investigation of something that doesn't appear to be to exist to be a reliable way of of coming to uh, conclusions about truth. How can you say they're wrong? Well, uh, well, you see, because I think I think that what you're just demonstrating, guys, and again, and I'm glad that we're having this debate, is that mm -hmm. there is a that that there are two camps and so 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 for me it won't ever be about me being able to prove to you that god exists because you could equally come up with a whole load of things to prove to me that he doesn't and so all i'm saying is that i think where jesus says in the bible that it would become like a child and in the old testament where where it says in jeremiah when you seek me with all your heart then i'll be found by you all I'm saying is that I got to a point in my life when it was like I really needed to know. What are you uh, observing that you're calling God? Like when you're examining God to see what is God to you personally, like where where is this God like existing that you get to examine it and tell whether or not your ideas <laughs> about it are, are com comparable to reality? Okay. okay, well, guys, thanks for asking that question. All I'm saying is that I was in a room and I wanted to know, does this God exist? And I got down on my knees and I prayed and I had... A meeting. All I can say is, I had a meeting with something that was supernatural, outside of my physical understanding of anything I knew in in the world at that time, and it's changed my life and has led me. And this God has led me for the last twenty five years, and I believe Him to be the God of the Bible. But I want to I I ask you something, him. though. If you were in a room, so. if you were in a room with one of the Paris terrorists, and they said, yeah. you know, I had a personal encounter with God. And he told me to shoot all these people in this office. Would you believe him? Uh, well, I would certainly be pretty scared if I was in that room. I would but too. I, <laughs> but you know, um, um, I would say that that's that, that that's not the God I know, and the, the God that I've experienced for the last twenty-five years. That He would not call me to arms and go and shoot up innocent individuals. So, are there more than is there people. more than one God? Then, well, is it like their well, God and your God? Well, I, I be, all I can say, and I'm going to speak for myself here, and you know, I'm, I, I don't want to be a ducker and a diver. I believe that there's one God, and I believe He's the God of the Bible. But uh, and that's through revelation to me uh, from a personal, uh, just a personal relationship. And right, so, but may, maybe you can understand why we have a hard time accepting your personal revelation when other as people have different revelations. And I mean, the, dif God. the difference, I mean, what you just told me a minute ago is that the way to have this kind of revelation is to throw out all skepticism and become like a child. No, and not only no, do I reject uh, no, that, I think it's dangerous. I would hope that you would pick up from my conversation with you that I, you know, that I am a, a, I am a rational, well, I hope, a rational and sceptical, and I like to know in, on, in which I'm placing my faith. And, and, you know, I came to faith also through a lot of seeking and, and testing things out, and, you know, no, that doesn't work out. 
that doesn't make sense. I'm jettisoning this, jettisoning that. But you reject this from other people who say they've drawn a different conclusion using the same yeah. methodology. Yeah, but I'm not... If the method can't yield consistent them. results, but there's something wrong with the method. You know, no, but I'm not yes. judging them. All, all I'm saying is, you know, I believe that, you know, that, uh, that the God of the Bible met with me in his son Jesus and he's changed... If we're testing out a cure for leukemia and we test it in Florida and it cures 90% of the people with leukemia and then we go test it in Australia and it cures nobody and then we test it in, you know, Japan and it cures 10% of the people and then we... I mean, when it's all over the map like that, the methods yielding different results, like wildly different and varied results, then the the methodology is problematic. You have to look at your method. There's something wrong with it. Yeah, but logic has its place. But I don't believe when it comes to... This is just reality. I mean, this has nothing to do with logic. This is like if (laughs) your methods yield entirely different results depending on who does it and where and when, then the method is not reliable. That's just a reality. That's not a... But then, Tracy, all I'm doing is I'm calling you and telling you my experience of getting to the end of myself (laughs) in my own life and then... But you reject that same experience for other people. Well, uh, I'm just telling you... I would never put my experience onto somebody else. I'm just telling you. I understand that, I that. but you should, because if your method is correct and it's, it's reliable, then you should be able to put that onto other people. They should get the same results you did, yeah, I, I or at least I, consi- I think somewhat what, consistent. I think results. what you're trying to say is that ultimately all opinions about reality are equally subjective, and I think that's just not true. Well, um, no, I think I think that it's about whether we get to a place in our lives whether. Because, you know, because I am a self-determined person, you know, and, and, and you guys are too, and you're intelligent. You can tell when you're listening, guys, listen, you've got good arguments, you've, got, you've, thought, you've thought things through, um, and uh, you know how to construct a good argument, and you deal with intellectual consistency. And that, you know, you, your experience might be that a lot of Christians you've spoken to don't. I don't know, but I would hope to, you know, I would hope that I have an intellectual consistency, but I think that you can't find God through intellect. It has to be, are you a broken person inside? Do you get to that point in your life where you need to know whether there is a real God who loves us outside of ourselves and has a plan for us and cares for us and loves us deeply? Yeah. Well, I want to know you that for myself. Yeah, you know, and yeah. So when I, when I got on my knees and asked that question, all I can say is, he met with me. And <laughs> guys... I, you can't rob me of that through your logic. You I know, can't, um, you're right. Yeah, I can't rob you of anything with logic if you're not, uh, if, if you didn't come to your conclusions logically. And if you're and, not going to be consistent and, and accept not, what other people come to using <laughs> the same methodology. Yeah, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence here. I'm not saying Sorry, you're not you're a not smart guy, me, but I'm saying that, that you seem to uh, apply a double standard. It only works for me. Right. Where, where I mean, you know, skepticism is all fine and good, but if you want to come to God, you have to just, like, trust this highly subjective personal experience and and that we have to believe you when you say that uh, you talked to a supernatural entity. Yeah. And, well, and yes, we don't. And, and, and I, can, I, can, I can understand your skepticism there, but you see, I didn't come to God trusting trusting him that uh, because I didn't know whether he would be there. All it's... I believe it's about taking. But you are already playing the game by their rules by asking the God to reveal itself, right? I mean, you were already buying into the to the sales pitch. Mm -hmm. Well, well, no, because because I think it's about taking that first step. Because I came to God. You don't just ask Bigfoot if he exists. You go out and you 
discover it, right? You, nobody would, would think that that was reasonable to sit around asking if something exists. You go out and you take steps to discover it. The idea that you would accept the methodology of sit there and ask, and then whatever amorphous weirdness happens is your sign from God, um, and also the insult to all the people who spent years praying to God who got no response until they finally just gave up, you know, and, and for those people that are often told, well, you just didn't have enough faith when they were, you know, on their knees like, so, for years. Listen, that, that revolts me, you know, the faith movement and the prosperity movement and all that, yeah, that he died because, you know, because he didn't pray hard enough, because it says in the Old Testament that, uh, um, you know, that um, by your stripes you are healed, and, and so therefore, and then they die of cancer, you know. All of that is horrible, and I hate all of that, um, you know, and, 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 and there's a lot that the church can be really shot down for, you know, the child abuse, the, t- the ripping money off people, sure, after sure, people no, put their hands on the telly fine. and just, yeah. you know... But what is your response to the person who says, I, I was terrified of hell and I prayed for years for any, for any sign or, or for God to reveal himself, and I got nothing until I finally gave up? Like, what is, what is the response to somebody who used that method and it utterly <coughs> failed them? Well, I would say that that response, if they're terrified of hell, that they've been going, either they've been going to a church that has been fire and brim and damnation. What if they said they um, loved God and they wanted to so, find God and I they mean, prayed? I mean, does God only reveal himself no to people who have I mean, been getting the right teachings? Well, well, all I would say is, you know, Can I would he love to have a personal, and say, there is no hell. at any time, <laughs> at any time, I would, I would love to sit down and listen to anybody's story and and if they wanted to know about my experience and about my personal with God, I would gladly tell them. I can't, you know, I can't speak for the people. All I'm doing is on this show telling you how I came to a living relationship with Jesus. Um, okay. I, the problem I is there's like a, as many of these stories as there are people with, you know, fails and different results yeah. and different, um, you know, conclusions about God completely, entirely. It would seem that if God was revealing himself to people, they would have a consistent model of God that it's like, oh, yeah, he revealed himself to me, too. It's just like what yours is. Yeah, like, but why Tracy, would it be so what you're different? Doing now, Tracy, what you're doing now is I believe what you're doing is you, you, you're applying your logic I'm building a logic box. No, I'm, I'm asking you, you about your show. logic, right? I'm asking about your logic. I'm saying that if you believe that God, God is revealing himself to people when they do this, what is yeah. your explanation for why anybody would have a different result than you did? What, you mean so like if a, you mean so like if a Muslim got down on his knees and, and, uh, or her knees and yeah. prayed, you know, Allah, are you there? Sure. Well, again, you know, I can't explain that because because I'm not in their minds. Um, I'm I'm only in my minds, walking my walk and living my life. Uh, and and but it's the and, God, though, right? Revealing itself. It is the God revealing itself. It should be clear to the person's mind, no matter who they are. God would know how yes. to make Himself clear to anyone's yes. mind, wouldn't He? Yes, I agree. But you see, there's another thing that I think is really important, and it's something that really blessed me. There's a book that I read. And what this book said was that we are um, we are to love after people. After you plug this book, I'm going to have to let you go. No, 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 no. I'm not going to plug yes, this book. Yes, yes, because we've had been on this show It's a time thing, not a not yeah. A we don't let, we don't oh, stick with one well, caller guys, for the whole show. You've been you, gracious. No, 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 no. Right. Listen, guys, you've been really gracious and listening okay. to me. And thank you. I just want to say thank you for this time and. It's a great show, and I love, I love the way you deal with people. Well, thank so. you for calling. Yeah, Steve, okay, I mean, you're you. welcome to call back another week. Yeah, Absolutely. And we do prefer Theus callers, so yeah, definitely so glad you called. Definitely thanks okay. for calling.
Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sure, sure. Bye. Uh, Justin in uh, New Jersey. Hey, guys. How you doing? I love your show. I'm a first-time yeah, caller. Um, you might be interested to know that earlier today I did prophesize that I would be the second caller on your 900th episode. Okay. So you should Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> did I'm God to, reveal you know, that to you? He did, yes. So, yep. so definitely <laughs> you're still to that must proves, be the real thing then. That proves God is real. Oh, um, I'm sorry. One of the things I wanted to bring up at the end of that call, uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, here on TalkOrigins.org is a page called Patterson Misquoted, A Tale of Two Sites. Uh, it has the exact quote that the caller was talking about, and it has uh, Patterson's follow-up explanation and a, a description of exactly what he was trying to say, because uh, creationists like to quote mine a lot to make it seem as if prominent scientists are saying things that they didn't actually mean. Okay, go on. Thanks. I want to, you know, give my condolences for the French people. Um, uh-huh. I think that um, European hate speech laws... Um, are just another way of intimidating uh, free thinkers into, you know, uh, just towing the religious party line. Um, I hope they stand up against that, and so do Americans. Um, what I was calling about today is um, the topic of free will. And there's a, a famous uh, person who had half their brain, um, you know, cut in the middle, and the left half of the brain, I believe, was the atheist part. And the right half was a theist part. They were able to determine this somehow. So it that seems that seems like within, an oversimplification to me. <laughs> it's an oversimplification, just, but yeah. just for the point, it seems that even in individuals there is a conflict going on, and that mm-hmm. conflict, you know, has to be resolved within the person. So it seems to be a very murky area with free will, um, and with areas of the brain, we know kind of like different modules of the brain control different parts. So if somebody has a stroke, say, and they lose their higher reasoning center, I would be curious how theists would explain that. Did that person just, you know, lose their free will? Did the higher reasoning part of their brain and their soul go up to heaven a little earlier? Um, so okay. it's a question I'd like to answer. Step one is to define free will, which I'm unable to do. Uh-huh. And I, I pretty think, much have given up trying. I think if you want to know how a theist would respond, you should ask one. <laughs> because, uh, you know, anything we say would just be speculation about what kind of knots they would twist themselves yeah. into. They certainly to seem to, this to value this, this free will, but I don't really know, honestly, what it is they're identifying or pointing at or what they're calling this. I don't get it. Now, do um, is the atheist community... Um, being very vocal about the European hate speech laws and the effect it's having on uh, free well, we've speech been. here. I mean, TAE is, um, has traditionally <laughs> come out against, I mean, when we blog or talk about it, we're not in favor of um, restrictions on free speech, like I said, as long as it's opinion and as long as it's not um, accompanied by, you know, violent uh, threat action. Um, yeah, I mean, generally, I, I mean, I actually tend to think that it's more of a gray area than some other uh, hosts on the show because um, I, I think that uh, there are clear boundaries to the First Amendment here in the United States where, uh, where inciting people to violence uh, or, I, I mean, 
you know, there's the classic shouting fire in a crowded theater uh, thing, but there, there's also like making threats to people, which, right. which leads to, uh, which is a direct line to violence. Right. Uh, and I don't think, I, I mean, even here in the United States, we do not uh, consider freedom of speech to be absolute. There are uh, there are limitations on it. Uh, and saying, like, like, I don't feel uh, thoroughly uh, uh, steeped in what kind of uh, European laws you're talking about to say categorically that they're uh, that they're all bad. Correct. There, there is a, a recent UN, you know, binding resolution that several theist countries, um, you know, were, were pushing pretty hard. Um, uh, I I have heard, and stop me if I'm wrong, but I've heard there was a law that specifically prohibited uh, some kind of like mockery of people's religious beliefs or something. Yeah, the blasphemy We're laws I think get that. served up with that. And yeah, I mean, to me, if you're not, if there's not like a threat of violence wrapped in that speech, um, or like Russell was saying, call to violence from other people. Um, right. Hey, but, somebody ought to go and put a bullet through somebody's head. That's not protected. Yeah, but it, do bear in mind that uh, that this incident in Paris was not a case of gov- of the government censoring anyone. The the government no. has been right. very supportive after the fact of of, of Char- hey, Yeah, uh, the people were supportive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, so I mean, that, so I mean, uh, uh, but France has been pretty. There are, yeah, France has been a little aggressive with some of their, I guess, attitudes and, and yeah, I think uh, France has actually religion. cracked down harder on Muslims than a most countries to the extent yeah. where they like banned uh, uh, burqas, right? Yeah, it had to do with like a head covering or face covering, and it was included, and there were some early quotes that made it seem like it was aimed at the Islamic community, but the laws in general are about face coverings in public generally. So right. it's sort of this weird, thin line. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying in in that case, it seems like this uh, censorship in the opposite direction, even. Well, there is a, a case right now in Saudi Arabia of a, a uh-huh. blogger, I believe, who is oh, yeah, I've heard about that. lashes. Yeah. For simply speaking out against Islam. Yeah. And um, in, in Mecca, they will be homosexuals. And, I mean, this is, you know, mainstream Islamic country, and I don't think people should be surprised when this type of violence comes to the Western world. You know, it'd be, it'd be similar like Bill Maher said the other day, if uh, the Vatican was beheading people, what would we say? Uh, what yeah. would our reaction be? Yeah. And, um, you know... Uh, the Islamic world has a free pass right now. Well, I posted recently, um, because people were saying something, I guess, about Christianity being somehow immune to this, and they were uh, somebody had posted a, a, an OP that talked about, um, you know, like the ancient kind of crusades and things, and I posted an article talking about um, Christian slaughter of Muslims in African nations and how there was like tens of thousands of Muslims fleeing their homes because, and this is just from last year, Mm-hmm. Right, so this was recent oh, news, sure. and so you, you do have Christians going out and like genocidally killing people, and because of a different faith, or and I, I know that this is more sectarian than just faith. I'm sure that if you get into it, there's probably also like racial issues going on as well. I wouldn't doubt. Um, oh, but absolutely. The, the Yugoslavian war was very uh, sectarian, you know, with Christians against Muslims. But um, the Christian you know, violence is not a thing of the past. It may be, you know, and, and even here in the U.S., it's it's kind of rare and sort of a one-off thing, but you still get that. There's a lot of 
um, angry speech that like uh, drives and fuels uh, violent reaction from the Christian community. So, for example, when people start, you know, going getting into divor- abortion debates and calling it murder, right? And, and I mean, when you're talking about murdering babies, there's going to be somebody who thinks he's a hero killing a doctor that will perform an abortion. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when I you get in, to, I'm glad you brought that up. I want I had a thought on um, listening to your show. In the future, um, if they develop a way where they could take a fetus out of a woman's womb, who um, would not want to have I think you're it, you know, wandering off onto a brand new topic, and I, I think that I should not let you do that because we have other callers. It's a really interesting idea, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> um, but maybe call back with it next week, okay? Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Love your show. All right, thanks. Um, so Steve in Brooklyn, another Steve who is our second theist of the day. That's interesting. Good. Steve? Or, yeah. Hey, how, how you doing? Good. What's up? Uh, basically I wanted to bring something up that would be kind of pretty interesting and maybe you could apply in a way in, uh, to the Paris, France, whatever's happening, or even some of the things that are happening even in this country. Uh, they did a survey in Norway and uh, Sweden, uh, that there's a little bit more atheist populations, and that they say that there are more religious people in jail than there are atheists, and that there are more religious people that commit crimes and violence. And they're saying that if there were more atheist populations in the world, we would see less crime and violence and less people in jail. I don't necessarily think you that. Ha- you have to be a little bit careful. Um, the idea of people who are religious committing more crimes would be a different issue than are pe- more people in jail religious. For example, here in the United States, you can score brownie points in your release and how well you're, um, when you get like a, when they, when you get for parole. If you're like involved and active with, you know, your little religious group in the, in the jailhouse or whatever in the prison, um, sometimes that counts towards you, uh, to kind of help you out. So. Yeah, so if you declare that you've converted yeah. to, to a religion while in prison, you can get, uh, more likely to be let out early. Yeah, so, so they may not, those stats may not it's be complicated. clearly, um, Trustworthy, and I don't know what the what the prison like how they do the prison reviews in other countries, but I know that here that those kind of programs in the uh, in the prison are can count as like you know you doing some some social good things. Okay, but go on. What were you saying? Uh, but would you guys say that um, you know like over, even over here in the, in this country in the U.S. Um, that if there were maybe more atheists. You would see more or less crime and violence compared to what we see now. I'm not willing to say that. I the think only thing a lot I think you can say would jump to say that. There's, there's, it sure. would be like one less <clears throat> ideology that would drive violence. Yeah. Um, and you know, but I don't know that something wouldn't raise a head to take its place. I don't know if the people that are violent and and uh, religious would find some other outlet for their violence. Um, <clears throat> Or if, you know, I don't know, like, does their religion make them violent, or are they violent people who found religion and now they have this excuse to be violent because they've got a cause that yeah, supports I mean, their I, tendencies? I think it's possibly true, but I couldn't, uh, I, I mean, the, the best one. you could do is survey countries that have 
fewer religious people and see if they have less violence. And I think, in general, they do, but then it's hard to take that as the final word on the matter because there are all, all a lot of other differences between those countries. It's hard to do sociology because it's hard to have control groups. Yes. <laughs> you can only do observational studies, and they're they're hard to, like he says, they're hard to control, and so you just have to hope that you've taken into account any sort of, like, confounding factors. Uh, do you think... Um uh, Tracy, I want to ask you a question. Do you think um, uh, the crucifix and the Bible are worthless and meaningless? Worthless and meaningless? Well, I don't think they're yeah. meaningless. The Bible's I mean, useful as literature. I mean, it, they have meaning clearly to lots and lots of people. I mean, even in art, you can provoke like horribly angry reaction by using a crucifix, which to me demonstrates that it does have a lot of meaning to people. No, no, but I mean, like, from the atheist viewpoint, uh, would the crucifix and Bible be considered to atheists worthless and meaningless? The Bible does not have particularly strong meaning to atheists. Uh, like any other book, it can be read and mined for interesting, good quotes uh, yeah. that, that you can make use of, but I don't have, like... I don't feel that the Bible is better as a life reference than, let's say, Homer's Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely got, like, a big foundation for Western literature and Western media. Like, art uh, in general is based on it, like, in, in a huge way. So, I mean, to me, the idea of understanding how those messages are interpreted by the society drives being able to understand references um, in the society around you that are tied to that particular you know, history and foundation. No, because one time, uh, Tracy, you mentioned once on the past show uh, that you went, like, to the library of your college or whatever, and you said that the Bible is like crap, you know, and, and I was just trying to see if maybe that could relate to that. You know? what, I, what I was trying to express was that I had been taught that the Bible was the Word of God and that it had somehow been, you know, put together by God or driven by God to be put together. And when I went to look it up, I found out that all of that was crap. Basically, what I'd been told by the church did not stand up to scrutiny. But as far as the literature, I think I've talked a lot about the influence um, of the Bible and, and Christian messages in media. I did like a, a two episodes on Batman Begins and how there were religious, um, you know, messages and themes in there. And they used like the Christ figure. And, and um, I would love to do another program on uh, iRobot with Will Smith where they uh, ha definitely are using like the Christ figure the Adam figure they have like it's just pervasive religious Please, can you use the original Asimov novel <laughs> I read the original Asimov novel and I went for years not looking at the movie because I thought I would hate it and yeah. I it's it doesn't claim to be the novel it claims to be influenced no, by it all, <laughs> um, sorry and taking you off topic. I felt like that they did hit the primary message though of Asimov's original book that the idea of autonomy um, and when something can express its desires, like at what point do you have an obligation to, um, I guess, consider that thing uh, capable of invoking its own rights, which I think both movies really touched on that. Or both, I guess, stories. Um, but anyway, the, as, the point is... As far is, as the Bible goes. <laughs> there is, like, when you watch iRobot, there's a few scenes where they lead you towards something. And if you understand these these particular religious themes in literature, you know they're not going to go there. Like, you know this person will... Like, you know that Will Smith will, uh, will administer the nanites, not the robot. You know that... 
um, the, the, the person on the mountain delivering the speech is not the robot. It is Will Smith before the robot reveals that. They kind of lead you down that little path and they say, like, is, you know, she, there's a woman that asks the robot, is that you? And the robot says, why do you ask? Is that a common dream? And then he turns to Will Smith and says, no, it's you. Um, if you understand the Christ figure and the Adam figure and what's going on, you already know that that can't be the robot on the mountaintop. And so it, to me, it's very, it has a lot of meaning and it's, it's important to understand it if you're going to understand the society around you more fully. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the movie if you don't realize these things. It doesn't, you know, somebody could really love it and wouldn't phase them. Well, uh, Tracy, I wanted to ask you quickly, um, do you think that atheists who want to desecrate, like, the crucifix and, and Bible or, like, maybe other religious symbols, you think in private, if they, if they want to, you think they should or they should not? In private, that? if they want to? I don't care what they do in private to uh, any icon. I, I think they should be allowed to do that. They that should be able to do it publicly. I mean, yeah, sure. I, I, I've been to art exhibits where things, you know, where sacred symbols, I mean, to me, the sacred and the profane, that is one of the most, I mean, art should be provocative and it should be thought-provoking, you know, when you have something that takes a sacred symbol and desecrates that in some way. It's really interesting to me because sometimes what's done, really, it's a question of whether or not it's even desecrated. The people that are getting pissed <laughs> off are, are assuming that it's been desecrated, but really it's just been put usually with some sort of um, mundane symbol or profane symbol. And when you put the two alongside each other, there's this contrast that just flips people out. And to me, that's some of the best art when you have something that just, you know, just evokes this huge reaction from the society. When I, when I walk through uh, a picket line to go and see an art exhibit, I love that. <laughs> that to me means that I'm going to see something that if, that really shook people up, and that's that artist came up with something that impacted the society, and that was it meaningful. Doesn't necessarily make it good. It doesn't make, <laughs> but, but well, it, it makes it right. good in that they came up with something that would be evocative, and not all art does that. Not all, a lot of art just looks good over your sofa. I mean, it's really sad, but. Well, I, I mean, an anti-Semitic cartoon with a, uh, you know, with a Jewish guy abducting a child is evocative. Uh, that uh, that doesn't necessarily like like being being provoking and iconoclastic doesn't necessarily uh, mean that the message is worthwhile. Right, and being, I guess, that would be derivative too, though. I mean, anybody can be derivative. I could right. I could do like a copy of somebody else's evocative art, and that's not really very <laughs> creative of me. I mean, but when someone produces something that's not been done, that they put that out, and it really, really evokes the reaction. Right. Um, it's, no. it's an interesting thing how people interpret right. it. They they put their own Steve. meaning on it. There's no explanation under the under the artwork, you know, that's telling people what it means. They come up with their own meaning and piss themselves off. It's really interesting. No, no, but Tracy, there was a movie called The Lair of the White Worm, and, and I hope all, a lot of atheists see it. Um, uh, and there was a, a Hollywood actress that, uh, there's a scene in the movie there where there's a crucifix on the wall, and she, like, spits at it, and she laughs at it. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know if you guys saw that movie, The Lair of the White Worm. Yeah, but I've heard of it. And and basically, they had a news article on her, and they said that she she enjoyed it, and she's happy and proud of it. Okay. okay, that's her and? interpretation. I mean, I mean, if you're calling to ask us to condemn that, uh, we're going to disappoint you. Yeah, it's no, no, just no, it's just, just symbols. I'm These just, are symbols being yeah. used, and and the symbols do have meaning. And when people use them in certain ways, they have different meanings to different people. 
You know, I went and saw, I went and saw, um, Monty Python's uh, Life of Brian. I had to walk mm-hmm. through a picket line for that the first time I saw it in the theater. And when I saw it, I was a Christian, and I was not offended at all by the film. And I felt like that the signs that I had to walk through completely misunderstood that message. I didn't feel like right. the movie was at all um, desecrating Christianity. I felt like it was actually kind of positive when it came to Jesus specifically. Um, and, you know, it was like all about the... It was, it was mocking believers, not Jesus. You know, and um, same with Last Temptation of the Christ. I mean, I just thought that movie was amazing. And there were a lot of people who were offended by that film, and I thought it was brilliant. Um, and to me, there was nothing, it wasn't, I didn't think it was a negative, like, anti-Christian film at all. Like, when I watched it, the, the message that I got was, like, very, very just interesting. Um, loved, I think it was, uh, what's his name, that did play uh, Paul or, uh, the, oh the my Green gosh. Goblin. He, Wait, no, Jesus the guy that played was Paul the, was so uh, good. Well, no, not Jesus, <laughs> but the guy that played Paul that, yeah. that's in all the Tarantino okay. films. Willem Dafoe, that's who I'm thinking. Yeah, but the, but the guy that did Paul was, I just thought brilliant, okay. especially at the end when he goes in and he's like so but fired up. And we're, we're running out of time. Uh, do you have a specific question or do you just want to bring up oh. these things which may or may not be offensive? Wasn't Paul. Well, no, I just, I just, uh, no, no, Paul quickly want to say, Tracy, that I saw, uh, uh, my atheists uh, had videos on the internet where, you know, like they took the crucifix and the Bible, there's also videos out there, and they like stepped on it, they spit on it, you know, they pissed yeah. on it, and maybe even burned the Bible and the cross, and yeah. I just wanted to know what you guys think of some uh, things like that. Yeah, at least it's symbols and not people. Like, you know, it used to be that heretics like us were burned and spit on and I don't killed. think it's it's particularly <laughs> sophisticated symbols. criticism, if that's what you're asking. Sure. But I also think that people should have the right to do it. No, because I want to let you guys know I became an atheist myself. Oh, okay. Uh, I used to be Catholic. Oh, you yeah, used I've to be Catholic. Yeah, I've spoken to you a few times. This, this note was wrong. Were you Catholic when you called before? He was, like, kind of on the fence. He oh, was questioning. Okay. Yeah. Right, right, right. And, no, no, I just, uh, you know, my father passed away. He was 92 uh, mm. back two months ago before, and I became atheist. And, and basically, you think maybe uh, this is a bad sign that, you know, when I became an atheist that maybe I'm getting some kind of punishment? You think, no. You think that's possible? I'm sorry for your loss, but things just happen. I mean, uh, you know, 92-year-olds yeah. have been known to die. Religious I, people I, I don't want to be flippant too. about it um, because I'm sure you loved your father very much. Um, but but no, think, I don't do we, believe do that it's a sign from the universe. Yeah. Well, sir, I mean, it's not like your life is going to stop having events that occur just because you convert or deconvert. I mean, I could convert to a religion and have somebody die, and I, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's because I converted, or I could go have pizza tomorrow night and get a call that my brother was in a horrible car accident and died, and I wouldn't think it was because I ordered a pizza, right? I mean, no, I just want, I just want to let you guys know I'm happy to be an atheist because um, I, you have the freedom, you become a free thinker. And basically, you look at everything in society differently now. Yeah, I think so. Well, good. You know, and basically, the only thing is, when I went, like, to a humanist group, because I'm also a humanist as well, yeah. uh, they're telling 
they're telling atheists for some reason to go to Unitarian Universalist churches. And I just want to get your feedback on that. Unitarian churches are generally uh, mostly secular. Uh, some of them might have kind of a vague belief in a sort of a new age. They're mind, just but, super inclusive. Yeah. And right. I think it's kind of probably what's going on is if you don't have like a strong humanist group or presence that allows for a lot of social interaction with other people who are secular, the Unitarian Universalist churches often offer that. Like, they give you all kinds of fun things that are social that you can go and participate in. And I think mostly the the few interactions I've had, it's just been about just inclusiveness. You know, they just kind of get together, and whether you believe, whether you don't believe, it really doesn't matter. We're going to go have a picnic, and the kids are going to go color. And they teach, like, a lot of little, um, like, the kids, you know, get these little uh, be-a-good-citizen kind of messages, and it's, you know, it's just sort of like a happy, inclusive uh, place if you are looking but, for a social outlet. Yeah. Right. But, bas- but basically, there's nothing to gain. Uh, it's almost like going to another church again. And, right? well, some people want the social, yeah, like can, the social aspects of religion. You can go if religion. you want or don't go if you don't want. Nobody's yeah. going to think that you're a bad person I mean, let's, for not let's going. Let's say that you're a person who, for example, participated socially uh, like a lot in your church and you did like organize the choir and you did like a lot of the potlucks and you were there, you went to the like card night, you know, and had a fun time. And if you're doing all these things with these people at your church and then you become an atheist, sometimes you can't do those things anymore. And so you lose a lot of your social contacts and outlets and so a lot of people are like well I didn't want to stop yeah, I didn't want to become a hermit I just don't believe in God anymore Right. Uh, and so you know, they you know, what, one, you know what one good thing about becoming an atheist uh, from coming from Catholic religion which I was into for so many years because I'm uh, 42 years old uh, basically it, it takes out the fear and the paranoia that you had Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly. Although, can. I mean, obviously, there's still some lingering stuff like yeah. worrying about whether you're being punished. Yeah, and some people but. don't get past the fear; they lose their belief in God, and they still have these weird, irrational phobias about hell, and you know, God's going to hurt them, and they don't understand why. A lot of people, time sometimes they feel almost guilty about it, and they'll write to us saying, you know, what am I doing wrong that I'm still scared of this? And it's just like I you mean, know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I I feel betrayed and kind of disgusted of you know the lies and the myths and the organized superstition that it was or is, and and that's why even like I was even thinking of I don't know if I could say this on air, but if you take a crucifix and Bible, they say sometimes if you do something like that, you get you you actually you know if you do desecration. Um, supposedly, it's a catharsis for people who have something that it still like has a control over you. Maybe you I think mean, that? I, I, I think, think it depends on the person. I think people who have been through uh, psychologically tying, trying events uh, maybe put too much stock in the idea that there's going to be some kind of closure catharsis. to it. Uh, you know, that happens a lot in the movies, but real life doesn't work that way. I think. The only way to eventually get over a lifetime of religious indoctrination is to just go on living your life and and gradually move away from it. Uh, but having said that, if you want to do something horrible to a Bible, <laughs> don't let us stop you. Uh, and and we're, we're out of time. They've got the credits up. We're out of time. i got to hang up on you. No, seriously. No, I know. Yeah. No, I know. Okay, thank you for calling. I mean it. We're out of time, and it's been a great show. Uh, yes. Nice to have you here, Tracy. Thank you. Yeah, uh, nice to be here. And we'll be on again next week. Bye.
Uh, and we'll take a few calls after. Yeah, after show. After show. 